Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Wrestling gives you tools to really, you know, we're the most powerful people in the world because we we, we care about ourselves, you know, and we, we, we push ourselves first so we can hold other people accountable. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, we're back. We've done it. Episode 152 is here, and I'm proud to say it's an Illinois boy, Nate Jackson. Illinois state champion, two-time All-American for Indiana University, during which time he had some epic battles with Bo Nickel and actually gave Bo Nickel a loss his junior year. Nate's junior year, that is. Now Nate Jackson is coaching at Princeton. He just got done with his fourth year there. He's also a member of the New Jersey RTC. I love this conversation. I hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to Steve Miglieri, sales director from the Twin Cities. Thank you for tuning in, Stephen. I appreciate it. And folks, this episode is brought to you by the Wrestling Changed My Life online store. You can go to store.wrestlingchangedmylife.com to buy podcast t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, all proceeds go to support this fine show. It's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. And if you want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life. I post a ton of videos and clips from the interviews. Also on Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner and wrestlingchangemylife.com for all past episodes. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for Nate Jackson, the family man. Peace. Nate Jackson. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm pretty good, Ryan. Nice to nice to finally uh, get on the show. Indeed, man. Indeed. Are you out in Jersey right now? I am. I am. What's the uh, what's the scene with the New Jersey RTC right now, man? I've always said we should do a reality show on you guys. Do you guys all live together, or are you all hanging out all the time? Um, so I have a family. I have a wife and kids, and uh, I can't I can't hang with those guys all the time. But uh, those guys are a lot of fun. Um, they actually do have a house and. Uh, yeah, whenever I, I need to have a good time and I uh, want to hang out with those guys, it's, it's a lot of unexpected uh, shenanigans going on. <laughs> I think that having a uh, reality show is right up their alley, that their personalities are all different. Uh, CJ Brucky, uh, Pat Downey, Bryce Meredith at the time. And um, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Now let's go back to the to the grassroots with you. So you've had an incredible career and have really grown uh, grown your technique, grown your brand throughout the years. But I understand your pops got things started at the uh, with the Fort Heights Falcons. Is that right? Yeah. 
Fort Heights Falcons. So I was at, I was born and raised in, in Fort Heights for uh, the first five years of my life. And um, once we moved out of that town, um, my dad really wanted to stay connected with the community. So he actually started a uh, wrestling club, which I mean, wrestling is the best sport and um, it directly like hit those kids. So it was really cool to be a part of that with him. Um, and it was tough because I was his son and he did not take it easy on me. Uh, my first year of wrestling, I actually wanted to quit. It was, it was crazy. But um, Was he, he a wrestler? He, uh, he wrestled a little bit um, in high school. I think like his freshman or sophomore year, he uh, he wrestled. And he loved the sport. He had some buddies um, uh, growing up in high school that uh, wrestled. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of different sports. Um, but he had some guys who were really successful. Um, the Bloom Trail, uh, you know, they had a bunch of high, uh, high school state champs. Um, right around the time that he went there. So okay. he looked up to a lot of those guys who were wrestlers. And now from what I understand, we're going to start talking about one of my favorite topics. Now, this is a national podcast. I spent 25% of my time talking about the Harvey Twisters. Oh, my gosh. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, you're in Illinois, dude. You better. I know, right? So when did you uh, when did you start working out with those guys? Um, I think I was nine years old. It was my first year. So I um, was with Bloom Trail blazers and then um wanted wanted just something new you know and uh different challenges i actually uh went and wrestled as, as a harvey twister um in my first year i just like killed everybody so i had a really really good year um and then like crazy enough like i, I was wrestling in the, in the state finals you know midget state super heated whatever <laughs> i mean and i dude uh ikwf man it's brutal like ikwf is I put them with anybody in the, in the nation with, uh, you know, just, just kids wrestling. But, um, yeah, so I wrestled this kid and I took him down, let him up, took him down, let him up, took him down, let him up, and then got pancaked and pinned in the net in, uh, in the state finals. So it was sick. Uh, that sucked. I still have the picture of me crying, <laughs> but I actually wrestled him my first match back. Um, my first match, uh, in the next year and like majored him and it felt great, but dude, crazy man crazy so did you uh, make it back to that kid finals multiple times and after that or no actually no i, I never i never uh, won a state finals since I, I did when i was really young so when i was uh seven years old i won like a it was like one of the first years in 2003 i believe yeah it was okay. uh, like one of the first years so maybe i was a little bit older than that but um did yeah you? i won and didn't win again until uh high school so it was just chasing it. I didn't make the finals uh, before then either. Um, I ran into like Eddie Clamara, who, who's turned up turned out to be a pretty good wrestler. Oh man! Uh, you know, guys like Ricky Robertson, really good wrestler. Blaze Butler, really good wrestler. Um, but you know, uh, dude, I heard Ricky Robertson was a beast in IKWF, dude. He was good, man. I, I remember wrestling him. He was like, uh, I had different nemesis throughout my career, but uh, at one time it was like two years in a row where he just had my number. Um, and he had like this really good switch uh, from bottom and like it was really tough on top. Um, so, you know, I, I actually got a win in IKWF. Um, it was the last one, Ricky. But, uh, <laughs> but man, he, he used to really beat me up. Um, and, you know, guys like that push you, you know. Dude, you don't hear about kids with a good switch anymore. That's IKW. That's middle school talk, isn't it? Watch out. Know, kid's man. got a good switch. He's got a good switch. I was like, oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Boom. He hit me with it every time. But he was man, tough. you talk about some of your nemesis. Is, is that, I don't even know how to say it. You said it much. Masai, 
<laughs> Nemesai. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but man, another one that has to come to mind, I'm thinking Bo Nickel. You guys had some battles. Uh, first time you scrapped with him, was it the Indiana duel at home? Yeah, that was our first match. Yep, yep, at Indiana. So going into that, and we're going we're gonna to come back and get, get to how you got to Indiana because the progression and some of the things you dealt with is incredible to me. But, you know, you're at this point, you've been at Indiana, what, two and a half years because you redshirted? Yeah, I was, a, I was a junior. So I, I started in the spring semester. It was really weird. So I had half a redshirt year and then just started wrestling. So okay. um, it was my junior year. So I was there for longer than, than two years at that point. So you've been there battle tested, just been grinding. Yeah, I, was, I was in it. What were you thinking before that match? I mean, did he have the hype attached to Bo Nickel that we all know now? Because he had just yeah, so he had just come off. Um, it's weird. So it was right in the middle of the year. Like, um, we look at rankings. Like in the beginning of the year, you see rankings, and like you know, Bo Nickel's name's all the way at the bottom because he hadn't really done anything. He's a freshman, uh, but he has really high expectations. So he starts wrestling. Uh, he beats like Zach Epperly, who was a really tough guy. Um, he beats like all these tough guys, and then he he wrestles at the Southern Scuffle and just crushes everybody. And then they put him at number one in the country, right? So he had probably been number one for maybe a week or so or whatever. And, um, you know, they came to wrestle us. And I, I was feeling pretty good, like, just matchup-wise. Um, he's a longer guy like me. Um, he likes wrestling and doing doing different moves and being in positions. Like, guys like that, like, I felt really comfortable with wrestling because um, I'm a pretty – I was a pretty wide-open uh, type of wrestler. Like, I just went to score points. And, and um, I was good in a lot of different areas. And he was similar. So I, I was excited for the, for the uh, matchup. Um, I knew that he was going to do um, this headlock thing that he does, or no, no, this double arm throw thing that he does from when he gets to stand up. So he he goes stand up, double arm throw, and pins guys and whatnot. So um, like I a front to and back, him. like you're like you're on top and he stands I'm up. On top, he stands up. I'm behind him. He just reaches over, grab here, and then like um, you know steps and, and pops his hips into you. And like he had been killing guys with it, and it was kind of cool to watch. Um, just as a wrestling fan, you know, but yeah. um, I thought that was an area that I could actually exploit a little bit. So me and my coach actually were me and Dwayne worked on it a little bit. And, um, you know, like when Dwayne is giving you some 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 key things like you zero in on him because he knows what he's talking about. And um, he said that this position might might come into play. So I was like, all right, let's let's work on it a little bit. Um, so basically, the exact same thing happened in the match. I mean, the match was pretty cool. Like, I got in on a really good shot. He got in on some good stuff. Uh, he had some scores. I had some scores. But um, the position that really won me that match, um, I didn't wrestle a great match, honestly. Um, I was – if you watch the end of the match, like, I was I was pretty uh, pretty exhausted. Weight, cutting, cutting weight my junior year was really tough, uh, 174. Mm-hmm. Um, the year after, I, I went up to 184. But um, just, a, just a tough year, especially dual season. So, tournament-wise, I was, like, really, really tough. But dual – um, was was really tough for me especially so, that big 10 grind dog you're mid-season at that point you're hurting on the weight cut it's it's uh it's something that people don't really think about like they think about cutting weight and, and how how it's done and doing it the right way and whatnot but I think back-to-back matches where you really have to get up and be on your game um and I can talk about that a little bit more after because after I wrestled Bo Nickel like I won um I beat him in this position like he does this double arm throw he goes for it I hit like this inside trip right then and, and uh, got him on his back and then really just used defense for the rest of the way, kind of fighting through some weird little scrambles and, and whatnot um, to, 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 cause he was coming hard. He was trying to win, you know? Um, a and, win is a win though, dog. A win is no, a win. No, 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 absolutely. So I was cool with it. And, and 
I think that a lot of people are like, man, you beat Bo Nickel, like you beat Bo Nickel. And now it's like, you know, Bo Nickel went on to be a three-time national champ. But at the time, I'm like, yeah, this kid is a freshman. Like, I was supposed to beat him, you know, like, I don't know. You know, he's number one in the country and whatnot. But um, after that, you know, you continue with the dual season. I wrestled Devontae Mahomes, who was from Illinois, and he's tough. I lose a close match after being winning and just kind of waned off at the end. I might lose another close match. I can't remember to who. But, like, you know, and then I'm right back to where I kind of was, like, right in the top ten um, in the country. But, yeah, man, it, it was a it was a weird – Weird year, and then um, did you wrestle Mymar in the duel that year? Uh, yeah, so he beat me too. I think I lost like three in a row, like right after beating Bo. And uh, Miles actually had my number, and he he still continues to have my number. But I'm, I'm gonna figure figure that out. Uh, but <laughs> it, his freshman year, I wrestled him four times, and I lost by one point three times. And then one time, like our first match in the Big Tens, because we wrestled twice at Big Tens. Uh, the, my first match against him. He like he he beat me up pretty bad, and then the second time it was really close again. But um, yeah, man, um, it's it's a grind. And and the cool thing about wrestling Bo is like after wrestling him, like I didn't feel like I wrestled very well. Um, I knew I'd wrestle him again. You know, it's Big Tens. You know, I thought I wrestled him at the Big Tens, but um, it ended up being in the national semifinals. So um, I wrestled him there. And when I tell you like. If I could redo everything, like obviously, right? I would, I would want to be back in that situation. But um, the first two periods, I mean, went kind of exactly how I wanted them to. Um, I just kind of took my foot off the gas uh, toward the end. Um, could have probably opened up and scored a little bit more points, but I was, I was winning in that match, controlling that match, and getting into positions I wanted to be in, and, and kind of keeping him out of his best positions um, in that semifinals. And I, I ended up losing five four, um, just a little like. He, he got one score and, and rode really tough right at the edge and he got like riding time. And, you know, it was, he, he, he wrestled great, you know, but uh, one of those that stings still to this day and we haven't had a rubber match. So, you know, always down to have a rubber match with Bo Nickel. Um, we're around the same weight all the time. So I don't know, but Dude, what, who cares? we're trying to make, we're trying to make matches right now. Let's do that one. Let's, <laughs> do, it, let's do it in the parking lot. Of, what Madison square garden, whatever we got to do, man, let's get it going. That's it, man. That, that would be sick. Now, let me ask you this. I've seen in the past that you went through a phase at IU. I don't know if it was your junior year or your senior where you used to carve uh, two and then three in your eyebrows. What What was the significance behind that? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So two and three, right? That's 23. So uh, Michael Jordan was a closer, you know? So uh, my senior year is when I really started doing this was because, you know, a lot of my matches in junior year, especially in duels, um, I, I just wasn't closing. So if you go back and look, like, it, it looks really weird. I was like, dude, what a what a weirdo. Like, I was in these, uh, <laughs> in these uh, interviews with Big Ten and whatnot and having these, you know, the slashes and eyebrows. I was like, man, this is, this is pretty uh, weird. But um, I thought about it, and it's like my senior year, I actually won all my Big Ten matches. Um, some guys ducked in there, which maybe not guys, but clubs or teams ducked their wrestler. But um, I was able to finish off matches uh, really well. I thought my senior year, I wrestled my best uh, up until I got. I ended up getting hurt a little bit toward the end, and then you know just kind of gutted out to to finish in the in the you know to all American. But yeah, man, my junior year, I made a really crazy run. Um, you know, I was a 13 seed, and I you know majored everybody up until uh, the bow match. And then, you know, lost, obviously. But right. it was it was cool to just, just wrestle free and, and um, 
you know, I think that was my best shot of, of winning it all that year because my body was in its best form and uh, my mind was really sharp on what I needed to do. Um, couple positions, man, like literally game of inches. And it was, I was a couple positions away from being a national champ, I think. I mean, it's funny. So I was actually really preparing for Miles Martin um, going into the national tournament because I hadn't beaten him and I lost to him four times in a row. So I wasn't doing something right, you know. Um, so, like, obviously, like, I'm looking at the bracket and Bo's on my side, but um, I felt like I was going to win that match. Um, I did not. You know, Bo, Bo was the better man. Um, but um, Miles Martin was like, I was really zeroed in on uh, trying to beat him. And he ended up winning that year. So, uh, me and Miles are kind of cool, you know. So, he's, he's a cool dude and, and he works hard. So, he deserved that for sure. Yeah. Um, he Another great nickname. It's funny. I had uh, IMR on last week and I was recording the intro for it about two hours ago. And I'd, I said how IMR is one of the coolest nicknames, but I forgot my Mars right there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, man. Talk about the, uh, a couple of things jump out to me about your junior season. One, the grind of the dual season, January, February, now that you're a coach, how do you help guys mitigate some of the emotional swings that they'll they'll go through during that whether it's feeling sorry for themselves being depressed because it's winter or just cutting too much have you noticed any way to help mitigate that with guys that you're coaching now yeah I think as a staff we, we do a lot of things on like an individual basis um, we we really um cater to what the athletes needs are um whether that be uh, having a conversation about different things um asking them what they're doing um getting extra workouts in to to manage weight and Honestly, like, you know, and, and, and when I was in college, like, I just kind of did what everybody did. and We just kind of followed form and did everything together. Um, and there's something to be said for that as well. You know, you feel that together. Um, and it didn't really work for me, I don't think, too great. I think that if I um, thought about myself like I think about myself now, I'm thinking about my body because I continue to compete. Um I think I would have made a lot more gains and without having so much of a cutoff, like, you know, making all these gains and then you take, you know, half a step back. Um, I could have just kind of made half step gains, you know, a little bit slower and, and have it be a little bit more cumulative um, over the course of the year. Um, so as a staff, like I think uh, Chris does a great job of kind of laying that out the plan um, and then he sticks to the plan. And then at the end of the year, we look at things and, and we say, you know, this didn't really work. Um, let's throw this out. Let's try this. And then we, you know, we, 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 uh, we tweak it as, as, as need be. So um, I think that, I think that's the key. And I think guys are getting a lot more smart just uh, around the country uh, with staffs. So, you know, we, we try to be on the cutting edge of that. And uh, I think rest and recovery is something that we, we do a lot of. You've seen not... a change just even since you've been in though. I feel like there has been jumps in the past yeah. five years. Absolutely. Um, and that, that comes from, you know, the guys, uh, you know, guys, guys who are now in the positions they felt what they felt like, you know, and they don't, they don't necessarily want that for those guys. And even though they got through it and they may be hardened because they went through it, like I went through it and I'm happy that I went through it. Um, I see where I could have made um, a lot of, a lot more incremental growth. Um, just not, not really year to year, but throughout the year. Um, I think I made really big gains in between years. And then it was like almost maintaining it through all the, the grind and just hoping your body is going to be okay to go to this national tournament like you want your body to be at its peak you know you really want to be um primed for 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 competition and um, doing doing the little things uh, throughout the year really kind of help you get to that and how much has it i'm sure it's changed a lot now that you're a coach and you're in our, you know 
professional wrestler, but you know, when you won the Medved, how much was your training different during the two months leading up to that, as opposed to like the two months leading up to nationals when you were a junior? Um, so the training wasn't so much different. Um, it was a lot of grind. Um, I think my mentality changed a lot. Um, so Reese, Reese is the head coach at, uh, mm-hmm. NJRTC and, and, uh, freestyle coach of the year, you know, great guy, great friend. Um, he kind of helped me take a lot of pressure off of myself. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I want things really bad. And what that turns into is like me having great tournaments, wrestling in the finals and not, not, uh, not, not delivering, not and just coming up short, you know? So I had a lot of, uh, second place, a lot of really good performances without that exclamation point at the end. Um, to be able to beat a guy who, you know, was was right around the top 10 in the world um, in, the, in the finals of Medved after, you know, tech falling everybody through the bracket for me, like that was the exclamation point I needed just to prove to myself too. Like, obviously I think I can do it or I wouldn't be doing it, but um, I know that on the grandest of stages, I can perform um, as long as I'm, you know, I'm loose and I'm prepared. Now I was really prepared. Um, you know, I don't think it was too much different than I think about my junior year run. Um, I think about uh, that match in the semifinals. You know, that was basically my biggest match of that tournament um, and how I let my foot off the gas. And I think about my match against Shapia, who was really good. You know, I got out to a lead really early. And then when he started to rally, I had some answers and I had some more scores um, because I was building my lead, you know, mm. um, and, and that experience helped me get to that experience and, and dude that med bed thing was nuts that was the craziest that was one of the craziest experiences of my life just because uh you know i was on a team and i was really just happy to be there <laughs> I had some really great wrestlers on our team and um you know i showed up and, and really really put an exclamation point on usa wrestling and then you know i went to the world championships as a uh, as a pat downey's uh partner uh just drilling and whatnot and a lot of guys knew me from medved that i that i had seen there and um that's cool then i can take that with me and i can share those experiences and then when it's my time my time to 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 do that and be the guy who's representing usa you know i've been there before so yeah do you think do you ever think back to like when you were a junior in high school i you placing as a junior at the assembly hall and then kind of driving back up to chicago after the state tournament that sunday after high school state can be a can be a kind of a weird day for guys. Would you ever think that you'd be warming a guy up at the world championships and winning the Medved? Yeah. So like you hear guys and like, they have these stories about how when they were a kid, they knew they wanted to be Olympic champion and they wanted to be world. Like I didn't really have that. So when I was a kid, I liked wrestling and I did wrestling. I liked baseball and I did baseball and I liked football and I did football and I liked a lot of different sports and I did them. And I kind of honed in on wrestling and, and it became like this great thing for me. Um, this special thing that I could have to myself, you know, and I've been just along for the ride and, and not really taking it for granted. Um, I've been able to um, look at the, back on the things that I've accomplished, you know, even winning a high school state championship and, you know, doing it in, in the way that I wanted to do it. Um, and, and now like, you know, winning a Medved title and doing it that, in a way that, that represents how I've always wrestled. Um, I think that that's way more valuable than, you know, all this other stuff. But now that I see it, I want it to, you know, so like, just like um, you think about, you know, you you don't want to be a state champion until you you think you can do it. You know, if you don't ever go down to state and see what it's like, like, it's hard sometimes to envision what that is like. So being able to step on that world stage um, and see my partner who I I battle with um, in practice every day, you know, 
uh, be really close to to bringing home a medal. Like I know that I can do that. I know that when I'm on that stage, I'm gonna win it. Dude. Like I, I, I honestly believe that. I think that I have something unique um, for the international style wrestlers, anyways. Um, but you know, we you wrestle. You wrestle here. such a wide open style. It's fun to watch, man. Yeah, no, it's it's fun for me to wrestle it, dude. Like it, it I wouldn't do it if I wasn't having fun with it. Like mm-hmm. honestly, so like I wrestled at uh, Bill Farrell this this past year because obviously this year nothing's happening. Uh, <laughs> and um, I wrestled a guy who beat Jaden Cox in the World Championships, um, and it was a World Silver Medalist, and like teched him, like trashed him, really did, did him really bad, and it's. Um, it's because like, I don't, I don't have as much pressure as I used to put on myself. I know that how I would have wrestled that guy a long time ago, um, it would have been a lot different. And I think, you know, even losing to Bo Nickel, like it kind of showed me like, you don't have to be your best to beat the best guy. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to do this, this world breaking stuff. You just can't be afraid, you know, you can't be, can't be scared of, uh, the challenges. And I think that's something that's great about wrestling. Like you learn that through uh, failure. You learn that through success. Like, if you if you step up to the challenge of, you know what's in front of you, like you you can you can you know rise to the occasion. Um, it's all about you you getting the best out of yourself. Um, I think wrestling is is great because you don't you don't have anybody else out there. Um, you can't you can't look over and say hey can you do this for me? It's like you got to do the work yourself, and you're rewarded for the work that you you put in. So, yeah. Dude, let me ask you about this. You mentioned a couple of times how. Reese has helped you with your mental preparation and that before maybe you would have put too much pressure on yourself. Um, talk to us about that a little bit. So what was the, what was your self-talk maybe four or five years ago versus what it is now? Was it more focusing on winning and losing versus the effort or how did that change? Yeah, I think it was really, it was winning and losing because, you know, you have different moments throughout your, your wrestling career, you know, of doubt. You go out there and you, you get, you get your ass kicked. You have a little bit of doubt. You go out there and you get your hand raised, you get a little bit of confidence. So when you, you start getting your hand raised enough and you see other people doing the same thing around the country and you're like, man, I could beat that guy. I could beat this guy. I could beat that guy. And then you look around and you're like, man, I, I should be at the top of the podium this year. Um, and then when you lose, you know, and you take a step back, you, you, you sometimes you lose sight of the big picture. Like, hey, you can do this. What are you not doing to be able to do this? And that's, that's kind of the thing that um, I really struggle with. It's just like, you know, I know that I can do it. So I'm so hyper-focused on winning a national title every match. It's like, no, dude, you got to you gotta put yourself in positions to get better at the positions. You got to put yourself in risk. You can't protect your lead. Like, when you score, score again. Make them stop your best thing. So then when you get to the national championships, you have an answer when he stops your best thing. You know, you got to have that, that, that um, you know, it's just like anything. You, 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 you do it first. You know, and you get more experience uh, with doing it. So when everything, when all else fails, you'll have something. Um, sometimes in the national finals or in the national championships, you know, it's, I got shut down in certain positions. And it's like, why is that happening? It's like, well, even though it's happening, I'm sitting here focused on why it's happening to me when I could be adjusting and doing something else um, if I had put in the time, you know. Yeah, it's, that's the thing about individual sports and obviously wrestling is the emotional swings you go through as a competitor – if you're basing your self-worth on the results can be brutal, you know, like you have a good match, you beat somebody. And then the next time, obviously you lose a match and your confidence goes up and down. And obviously you've learned how to master that and transform it. And the dude, the jumps you've made following your career has, has been incredible. Um, you mentioned Reese has a lot to do with it. When was the first time you met coach Humphrey? 
Um, so I actually met him in an interview when he that he was doing, and he he just was like a really uh, he's you, he he exudes confidence, like he believes in what he does and he believes in himself. Um, and I think that you know he's a really great guy. Um, he's not like a person who is uh, arrogant or anything like that. But the fact that he puts his confidence first um, and he has a, a, a gentle heart and he actually cares about people um, and he cares about his family. And like, you know, you can you can tell like, OK, what is this guy doing? Why, why is he able to have so much confidence? Um, it's because he believes in his training. You know, everything goes back to preparation um, and he doesn't cut corners, you know, um, but he like even like things like simple stuff. Like he taught me how to do a backflip in a day. And I'd never done a backflip in my life because I'd never tried it really because nobody really had that much confidence in me to do a backflip and not hurt myself. But he's saying, oh, well, if you do this, you'll 100% be able to do it. Like, I know you, you know, you can do this. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then you do it. And it seems simple enough, you know, but there's not, a, there's not always those people saying like, hey, you can do what you're saying you can do, what you set out to do. Um, and he's always been that um, for me. And he's going to continue to be that for me, I think pretty confident and he's like the guy where a great rtc coach in the sense that rtc's it's like a fine balancing act i don't think you could have a college head coach using the college coaching mentality on an rtc meaning that everything's real structured everything's real diligent um reese seems to have that balancing act between the two yeah man i mean guys it's just uh it just goes to, i mean the reason we leave college right is because we're we're trying to, we're tired of being kids. You know, we want to be men and we want to do the things we want to do. And I personally, like, I wouldn't have a year for somebody like saying, Hey, this is this, 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 this. Um, I know how to conduct myself. I know how to be a man. I know how to um, abide by a schedule and that's all important stuff. But being like, nobody wants to be a college wrestler for an extended 10 years. Like that, that, that was a phase and it's short because that's what it demands. And it needs to be short. <laughs> Um, after a while, you know, you get, you don't have an ear for that anymore. And Reese is, is really, you know, I think that's an area that he's really impressive in, um, is that he knows how to get what he needs out of you without, mm -hmm. you know, without being, um, you know, your dad, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's you know, it's pretty special. And, and I, I honestly, I look to him and I'm like, man, how can I incorporate some of that with my guys? You know, some of the, the juniors and the seniors and the, the captains on the team, because they've heard a lot. And they've they've been through the ringer a little bit. Um, how do you uh, continue to push them without pushing them away? You know, right? It's a it's a bouncing act. And I gotta say, all due respect, Nate Jackson, that ear pod is is it the cobflower ear there, man, on the right yeah, side? Yeah, it's it's brutal. It, it's only one side. You see it for the like, listeners here one. the this whole time. <laughs> dude nate jackson here on the video has been it's like he's like an outfielder man catching oh fly balls gosh, he's catching the ear pot every time he moves so respect uh on your focus because the listeners would never be able to know man um i i, I thought it was a coffler i had to confirm though man um yeah yeah <laughs> if it's easier to take it out we can roll with just a one too um okay you hear me yeah okay cool um so in addition to reese coming on board Hey, the New Jersey RTC, you've heard it from everybody. It's grown like crazy. It used to be known as the Nate Jackson RTC, kind of jokingly, right? Because you were yeah. the only guy. You know, how did it, I'd like to know just how did it grow? I mean, did, did Reese come in and say, hey, we want to grow this team? Or what was what was the driving force behind it? Um, I think, so um, obviously it takes a lot of, uh, 
finesse from both Princeton University and Rutgers, you know. So, you know, the, the coaches came together and they said, hey, like, we know that this is going to be good for our programs individually. So if it makes sense for us to come together on this and we have to share some some of this and share some of that, um, if it's going to be the best for our programs, then we should do this for New Jersey wrestling. So um, a lot of RTCs are modeled to be something that's like an umbrella for a university team. Um, I think the NJRTC um, wanted to be the opposite. You know, um, we, we look at Princeton and Rutgers as accessories to the New Jersey Regional Training Center. And, you know, it's a place for our athletes, basically, you know, when a guy graduates from Princeton, if he wants to pursue Olympic dreams, like, um, obviously, there's benefits for our program. But um, outside of that, like, if he wants to do that, we have something that's there for him, you know. Um, I think that how it all started was really um, me grinding, um, going pretty hard. Um, and then, you know, placing in my first – I didn't wrestle freestyle. So, Illinois is a great freestyle state, Greco state. I didn't wrestle any of that growing up. So, um, my first – Really? Not even the offseason? No. So, I wrestled – it's crazy, right? I know. And it's weird because my style is like, dude, I should have definitely been wrestling freestyle. I can score points. Um, but um, university nationals, like I wrestled in that and wrestled folk style in that. And, and I got okay, <laughs> not placed a couple times university nationals. Um, and then uh, making the transition to the senior level was different. And I was able to do that pretty smoothly because of, you know, uh, under Reese's tutelage, you know. So um, it just made sense, you know, like, hey, we need to find someone to you know, push this guy that we have here and have a bunch of guys where we can push each other. Um, we can work out together um, and really see what we can do. And, you know, we had two world team members in the first year, uh, you know, the first try. <laughs> so, like, um, I want to be a part of that, that, that success. And I know that guys around the country are looking like, what are they doing over there? You know? So, you know. And they're having fun. Yeah. And, and we do have a lot of fun too. So um, right now it's just trying to figure out how to continue the next phase, you know? Um, so we're pushing and, and, you know, Reese is on the cutting edge. He's always looking and he's always, uh, you know, reaching out to guys and, and, and thinking about um, what we can do to better our, ourselves. Um, and as we get more experience, you know, more uh, ventures and, and losses and whatnot, like, you know, um, I think that it's only going to get better and better. Um, the support from, you know, Princeton University and, and Rutgers, um, it goes so far, you know, and, and it, it's been everything. Really, it's been overwhelming support. And I think that now that we see that this model is working, um, it's just going to continue. I mean, you look at Rutgers uh, wrestling program, you look at Princeton's wrestling program. And we're both like going like this. So oh, yeah. we want to meet at the top. I mean, we want New Jersey to be a powerhouse, um, not just, you know, in the college, but we want them to be a, a powerhouse grassroots, um, which are only going to help breed more <laughs> guys for our programs, you know. Um, and we're still, beautiful- you know, as a program, we, we want to be really good. So, Dude, it's a beautiful thing to see two enemies working together i can't think of two schools that are more different um in the sense of you got an ivy league school you got a state school and um you know i've had coach goodell on really enjoy talking to that guy i haven't had coach airs on though i'll, I'll have i'll have to do so because what you guys are doing at princeton is awesome i mean the growth is and your schedule is ridiculous yeah so we try to be like an ivy league team with a big 10 schedule you know mm-hmm. and and even like you know 365 days in a year uh, 364 days of those, you know, Rutgers and Princeton, we're in support of each other. Like, hmm. I don't think that 
you know, we don't really clash as much as, as it, it might, you know, lead on. We're really close, you know, we're like 30 minutes apart, uh, you know, but uh, we, we, we support each other. And we want each other to have success because it's just going to breed more talent and more um, excellence and guys who want more, um, you know, want to go to college and wrestle um, in our, within our state. Um, but man, that one day a year where uh, we got, you know, big, big, big Ivy or yeah, is it big Ivy rivalry? Dude, it is nuts. Um, mm. Yeah, and we're we're in hundred percent behind our guys uh, to win. And then after the duel, it's like, hey, all right, you know, whatever. See you later. Maybe be a little salty for a couple of days, uh, depending on uh, who who comes out on top. But um, yeah, man, that, that that just makes it even even better. Um, you get those New Jersey fans to see that. You get those kids. You know, I got kids. They they all get to see. Um, what this is, and we could turn this into a wrestling state, you know. Oh, no question about it. The high, I mean, the high school and youth level is so strong already, and you got yeah. it, it's just a, it's a really gritty place. Um, one of the things I want to ask, and this may be a stupid question, but you're a senior level athlete when the college season's going and you're doing your normal RTC workout, if it happens to be at Rutgers, will you still go and work out at Rutgers, even though you're a coach at Princeton? Um, so it's 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 weird, it just depends on what's going on. So um, great question. It's a good question. Not a, not a bad question at all. Um, some, the, the answer is sometimes it just depends on what's going on. Um, if, um, it's, I follow Reese really like I, I crave his coaching. So when he's somewhere, I want to be where he is. Um, we, we practice at different times. Um, and you know, we, we split time in between the locations. Um, but you know, if we have a competition that's coming up really soon, you know, I might take that time, maybe do an individual Reese in the morning. Um, and be with my guys to be kind of a little more hands-on there. Um, you know, and, and it takes some finesse from me. It takes some finesse from all staffs, um, but it tends to be like that. So we have uh, PWC, which is um, what I'm under, basically. And then you got Scarlet Knight Wrestling Club, which is the Rutgers athletes. Mm -hmm. um, and for the most part, we want to be together, but we're not always together, you know. So um, I think that's good because it's good. Sometimes I get in there with the Rutgers kids. And I get to wrestle those guys. Um, sometimes, you know, Pat Downey gets in here with um, our our Princeton kids, you know, and gets to wrestle our guys. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. I think it's cool. I hope we see more of it because, you know, some of the times it's it's just there's not enough to go around, right? And there's not that many senior-level athletes. So if you can find a situation where the schools are close yeah. and you can combine them, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, I want to go back to something non-wrestling related. I read that you were part of the forensic team in high school and that you, uh, you were involved with to kill a mockingbird. What were you, uh, so was that like a thespian thing or what is the forensic team? Yeah. So, uh, it's forensic speech, right? So it's, okay. uh, yeah. So my sister, she's, uh, she's actually an actress in Chicago. Um, I think she's actually trying to be a, a director, playwright, um, and whatnot, but, um, yeah, so she's that, um, my family is very different. Like one person is like an artist. Uh, one person's like into music. Um, my youngest brother actually is, is still wrestling. Um, I wrestle. My big sister's an, an actor, an actress. Um, so we do what we like. And my parents, uh, we've been pretty fortunate because our parents really support what we want to do. Um, my, my sister went to school for acting, uh, Bradley University, which is, which is a great, great mm -hmm. school, private school. Um, and she got a full ride for acting, you know, and uh, she has a degree, you know, like, um, and I wanted to be closer to my sister, so I did whatever she wanted. She's my, she's a couple years older than me, but one uh, grade year older than me. So I followed her around after 
what what used to happen is after wrestling practice, I would go down to um, the speech room and they would still be doing everything like they work. We think we work really hard. Like they put in so much time into those things after after hours at the school. Like we were there until seven o'clock sometimes, you know, it was nuts. Wow. Um, and and yeah, so I'm sitting there and it's like I have to wait for her to be done. Uh, you, you start listening and like you start adding input and then it's like, hey, we actually need a person to do something. Would you like to do this? And it's like, yeah. So I, we actually, um, I was actually a part of a team that um, made it to state in um, group interpretation, which is a, you know, it's an acting thing. Uh, you know, so, so we took, I think we took third at state and fourth at state in two different years. So like I was a part of that, which is nuts. Um, and you know, it's a really cool experience. And I took an acting class in college because I remembered that my senior year, I took an acting class. I was like, oh man, I love acting. I, I want to do this again. Um, so I did it and it was great. Um, so how was the forensic, I, how was the forensic team different than acting then? Or why is it called the forensic team? Cause I'm thinking like some kind of investigative. So thing. it's, it's, it's weird. It's, a, it's acting, but, um, you don't have necessarily like a whole stage to put on a production. So you have a, maybe a, a two by four over here. And this is the only thing that's, you know, and you guys work around this um, with the group interpretation and it changes. So like my, my sister did a, a AC, which is like comedy. Mm. So she would be a bunch of different characters and they have a different way of doing it. But like, it's so many great things. Um, like performance in the round which is basically theater but you're in a circle and you you know you it, it's it's so much different stuff like i i honestly think that um it's not explored enough um I, me and my sister went to marion catholic which is a it's an art school mm -hmm. um it's a it's a band school really but performing arts so they were huge in as well um but um through that like i, I met a lot of friends of, of, that do different things and um I still have like people who, who do these things that I, I, I have no connection to right now that I can ask like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Because I have no experience in this at all. You know? And I think that that's really valuable in, in our society. Like getting different perspectives is so um, important. So yeah. it's cool that you meet someone who's not so single-mindedly focused and you have, you know, experiences from all different walks of life. I don't think there's, been anyone I've interviewed who was a part of something in the arts, if you will, in high school. And so I, I had to ask, how long did you do it for? Um, I did it for two years. So it was just two years in a row. I think I did an okay job. Um, one time I forgot my lines, but um, they couldn't tell because I like figured out the lines at some point and it dramatic buildup. Uh, it was actually when I played Tom Robinson in To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was a great experience and I wouldn't take it back for anything. Would you be would you be more nervous for that or for stepping out there at Assembly Hall in the finals match? That one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I'm I'm talking and I gotta remember something and if I mess up, everybody else is gonna fail with me. Like that stuff is pressure. Like being being able to wrestle and go out and do something that I've trained for, that's not pressure. That's that's me really just being able to seize a moment and it's either I do it or I don't, you know. Right. Now that's that's cool, man. And it kind of just speaks to the person you are. You have a lot of different uh, different focuses. You're a coach. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a you know a man of the performing arts, if you will. And, and one <laughs> <of> the, <laughs> I love it. No, I, I go see shows and whatnot. It's, it's cool. Yeah, go ahead. One of the last things I want to ask you was, you wrestled in college. 
and they're still wrestling now with a family. So you had, uh, was it a son or a daughter at first when you were going uh, through son. college? A son. son. You talk about time management. I don't know how you did it, my friend. And I can see now you don't got any gray hairs. So talk about, uh, I've heard you talk about this before. You say there really is no balancing act. Like when you're being a father, you're not trying to balance texting a recruit, right? So think about, talk about that and how you, uh, how you manage your time by not balancing, so to speak. Um, I think it comes down to communication. So I've, I've been able to do this through trial and error. Like me and my wife really um, hammering out like the things that we need to get done and the things that we need to get done, like you have to do them or, you know, it's not good. So these things are important, like raising a kid, um, figuring out their schedule with school and different things, figuring out my wife's schedule, um, things like that have to be pretty um, explicit because if you, you know, leave things to chance and say, oh, whatever, uh, she, she probably, I told her the other day, whatever. No, it's like things don't work. In college, um, you know, we had some tough times because I wasn't explicit in things that were happening and needed to happen. Um, and as I grown up, you know, growing up into a man, you know, I, I started to learn like, hey, like, got to be better with my money, got to be more um, careful on on what I'm doing. And not even like the, the negative things that you're saying, like, OK, I'm going to make a choice to do what I want to do this time and not do the responsible thing. It's the things that you don't think about. You know, you have to ask the questions all the time. Um, and so I have four kids. I don't know if you know this now, but I have four children. Um, I'm pretty young. Um, you know, I coach I coach at, at Princeton. Um, I'm, I'm still competing. Um, and that only comes because one, my wife is an angel and she 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 really supports everything that I've done and that continue to do. Um, and two, you know, she's really strict with what I need. You know, I need to be explicit. Like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So we can hammer it out, put it on a schedule. And then if it's written down, like, let's do it. And the things that aren't written down, unfortunately, sometimes they get left out and we can't do those things. But then you try to figure out times when you can do these great things. Um, so, yeah, it's just really being strict. And I think wrestling kind of, makes it not so bad because you, you, I've been told what to do and how to do it. And, you know, you got to do this technique like this, or it's not going to, you know, bear fruit. It's not going to be successful. Um, and that's, that's pretty strict. So I, I think I'm the right guy for it. I think a lot of people um, would have taken it as a negative and looked for ways to escape it. And I actually took it as a positive, like, okay, well, if this is what I'm doing and I want to do all these things, how can I maximize them to do them all? great in a good way um because at the end of the day like these kids that we're raising are seeing these examples you know and there's not going to be an excuse for my son not to do his homework and play his video game or do his homework and go hang out with friends or do his homework and go go play a sport or whatever because he's seen it you know he, he was raised in it um and i think that's really valuable Dude, it's extremely valuable. And the communication piece, it's so easy to yeah. just th think something in your head and just assume that someone else knows it because Nate Jackson knows it or because Ryan Warner knows it. My girl just moved in with me two weeks ago. I'm realizing that is not the case. <laughs> right, right. Dude, it's, uh, that, that's, I, I had to ask, and I assumed communication was part of it. I mean, um, did your wife live with you when you were at IU or was she back in Chicago? Yeah, so she did not live with me for the first semester. It was a really tough semester for me, just like um, I missed her. Uh, so I took the first semester off to actually be with my son because 
Um, yeah, he was born and I had to watch him. I'm actually got my barber's license in the same time because my dad is a barber, you know? So like, um, I was able to build that relationship with him for like about six months and then I left and it was, it was horrible. There was times when my son saw me and he didn't know who I was and all this stuff. And obviously like we look back on it, it was, it was a four month period, but dude, times like that, like we really had to be really good communicators on what was happening, what was going to happen. Um, me and my wife were not married at the time. So we actually got married that next year. Um, and people make promises all the time and people, you know, and people say like, Hey, I'm going to go off to college and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then we're going to have this type of life. And this is going to happen after I graduate, this is going to happen. And you know what? Like I'd be a fool to say, like, I did everything that I said I was going to do. You know, I've been really blessed and really fortunate um, that things worked out the way that we talked me and my wife talked about when we were kids. Uh, I started dating my wife when I was 17 years old. Okay. 16 years old for a couple of weeks, 17 years old. <laughs> uh, we were kids, man. We talked about some of these things and, you know, kids, kids do things that, you know, <laughs> kids, kids do crazy things, you know, yeah. but we've, we've supported each other and lifted each other up through everything. Um, and it hasn't been easy. And I don't suggest that everybody take these routes that I've taken, um, but it worked for us. And because of those things and those lessons that we learned, we don't have to learn other, more more things about each other. We know who we are. So for the most part, um, you know, just having that support system that's constant, um, knowing what the expectation is, like, hey, I got to communicate everything because there are so many moving parts. You know, my son is a wrestler. He also does baseball. My daughter does ballet and gymnastics, and she wants to wrestle. My other daughter does ballet. And, you know, in a second, you know, the youngest one who's two is talking about ballet right now. So um, that coupled with, uh, traveling to, to overseas, you know, like Medved, for example, uh, going going and, and, and helping uh, funnel guys into this recruiting system, um, you know, going, making sure I'm making every practice. Um, and now I'm starting a, a nonprofit. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a great formula for this, but I'm having the time of my life with the people that I care about. That's really, really it. That's a beautiful thing. What's the nonprofit you're starting? So it's called Black Wrestling Association. Um, it's meant to give opportunity and, and, and really representation to black wrestlers and their allies um, because, because our sport is, you know, predominantly a white sport and, you know, it has, it has the potential to, to grow so much. I think um, that starts with uh, black representation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of kids, like per personally, like I was talking about my dad's team. Um, I was on an all black team. Um, and then, you know, I wasn't one of the better kids. There's a lot of kids that are a lot better than me. Um, you talk about the Harvey Twisters. I was on an all-black team. You know, mm -hmm. there's a couple white guys here and there. Um, but for the most part, all-black kids. And, again, you know, I'm an eighth grader. I wasn't one of the best kids on there, you know. Um, when we get to high school, um, you notice a trend on, like, guys not being in the sport anymore. And it's like, this kid is just as smart as me. This kid is just as, you know, has just as much support. Why? Why are they saying no? Why do they not want to do this? And it comes down to just not really having the leadership to look up to, not really having those coaches um, to see them or something else, you know? And it, you know, if, if it, it's hard to stay in it, I, I was a captain on my wrestling team for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And, and this is in, in college. And I love those guys to this day. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's lonely um, when you don't share an experience with someone. And even when you connect, 
just like me and you are connecting now. Um, it's hard to it's hard to make someone feel exactly how you feel about certain things. And when you have to do it so much in life, especially as a man, like in college, you, you tend to not get to choose not to do that. You choose mm-hmm. the path of le- least, re- least resistance. And that might be the worst thing. Um, not talking about things and not being explicit on the things that are going on in, in different issues. So um, if we can be a big brother to some of these kids who are feeling that, I think that, um, black inclusion in the sport will will really permeate um, through the wrestling culture because the wrestling culture is awesome and it's it's great and you know I'm just using my platform you know as a wrestler to try to bridge some of the the societal gaps that we have and there there are some really deep wounds and in, in, in uh you know some some really tough stuff yeah. that we need to get into with society um but you know I might not be the best person for those those tasks but I know that I can do something within my community. And if enough people do something within their community, um, that's really how big change happens. And it's called Black Wrestlers Association? Black Wrestling Association. Black Wrestling Association. Um, yeah, it's BW, BWA. Yep. How, will it take, uh, how will it take shape? Will it be finding a, a big brother, big sister? Will it be a club? How will uh, it? It's going to be a nonprofit organization. I'm thinking it's going to be a, a nationwide thing. Okay. Um, it's going to be um, really about membership and uh mentorship so um think about beat the streets uh going out guys go wrestle and teach clinics and things like that Um, we'd be pretty good at that some of the guys in it are would i'm sure kids would love to see um but i think that we need more of a voice Uh, we need more of uh guys going out to talk to these kids because honestly like i can care less about whether or not you know i'm a wrestler i want you to know who i am as a human being and then you'll actually do the homework to try to figure out why I'm the way I am. And I am the way I am because of the sport that I chose, you know? And, you know, if enough people do that, you know, we get that out there, there's going to be a, it's going to be kids pouring in. Dude, um, it only takes one person. I mean, think about beat the streets started with, it's kind of hard to trace the roots of it, but let's say someone had the idea. They started it. And now 20 years later, thousands of people have been impacted by it. And I love that you're doing the same thing. So if there's anything we can do to help get the word out, let us know. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I saw that you tweeted. You're like, that account has more followers than you do. And I'm like, I didn't know if that's something you started or what. So I figured I'd ask. Yeah. Um, so I actually started it. Um, it was an idea um, brought from a friend, but it was brought through, you know, tough issues within the world. And it, it wasn't because of George Floyd's death. You know, it was because mm-hmm. of the conversation of, you know, has continued and it's just the same type of thing. And you get tired of talking about things. So, um, do something, you know, it was, it was time for me to do something and I got the right people to do it. It's me and about 10 other guys. Um, and not to mention other, other guys outside, but we were, we were considered the founders of it. Okay. Um, all wrestlers that I'm sure you're familiar with, Kerry McCoy, uh, Jordan Burroughs, uh, BJ Futrell, uh, Kyvin Gatson, Kenny Monday. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Gabe Townsville, um, James Green, like Mark Hall, like it, it goes on and on and, and it comes from this, uh, share feeling Kevin Jackson share feeling that we have um, wow. so if we can make a big impact on you know a couple kids here and there like it'll it'll mean a lot um, and again it's nonprofit, so you know I think that it's important that we're doing it and it's not about making money you know like I, I can care less um, it's really going to be about uh, making an impact the reason that I thought about it was because um, you know like I said I have I have kids and you know, some of the conversations that I'm going to have to have with my kids 
it's unfortunate and you know it sucks for them because the world isn't exactly how it should be mm-hmm. so what can i do for their kids right you know i might not be here to have those conversations with them but i can leave something um that that has started the conversation and we'll make sure that the conversation continues um and it'll be from 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 powerful uh figures in our sport so man what a great idea and i and that doesn't even do it justice. Like I said, whatever we can do to help let us know. And I, I think it's important that uh, you guys are all stepping up and got to love that there's some Illinois boys on there. Love it. Yeah. So two <laughs> actually. Yep. Cool, man. That is uh, that's powerful stuff. And I'm glad I asked about it. Last thing I wanted to ask is, have you ever thought about doing a barbershop style podcast out there, man, just talking wrestling, talking life? Cause I could see you doing it, having that barbershop background. So like, uh, started at IU, I was, I was sports broadcasting and I always wanted to do it and then did like this internship and found out that I hated (laughs) like I just didn't like it it just seemed like it was going to be something that I didn't want to do but it's weird you know the podcast thing just seems like something that I'm gonna do eventually especially with the acting background dude I know maybe you can help maybe I can maybe I'll 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 be a mentee you know and take and pick your brain a little bit um, because I am pretty connect, well connected within my wrestling community, and there's a lot of things to talk about, and I can talk forever. Like, thank you for talking because I could literally just talk your ear off for for Dude. an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> I think you and B, B, BJ Fuchel and I've had some conversations about him starting a podcast. You His guys dad was actually my pastor. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We come, we're from the same area, man. I used to look up to him, man. He used to be on the football field in the wrestling room. That dude is brutal. Football field. Yeah, he was. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, uh, runner back, runner back. Uh, BJ was a, a cold <laughs> dude, man. he was he was uh, something to see. Dude, where uh, I was 07, he was 08, and you're not kidding, dude. When he came in 2002, 2003, IKWF and IWF merged, and that was the first time we got to see the Twisters because we had only heard about them because they were IWF. Yeah, and uh, I remember at state they came back, and it was the Grand March, and it was like Martinez Fox Valley lead over here, Vidim Cats over here, and then out of the tunnel, all these guys with the red hoods up, and we didn't know what to think. Did we were? I was so intimidated. It was. Yeah, yeah. They have a presence about them, you know. The you know Coach Quint's out there, and yeah, Coach man. So I've made a point to have as many twisters on as I can. I had BJ, Tony Davis, Mario Morgan, TJ Williams, you know, like all these legends, and obviously yeah. now yourself. But I think that there there needs to be a voice amongst the podcasting ranks of um, something associated with the nonprofit you started. So however I can help, man, we're happy to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and thank you for that. That's a great idea. I'm going to write that down. We'll riff on it, man. But I think especially with that, I did hear that you were a broadcasting major. And that's actually I saw the interview with the eyebrows when you're being interviewed by BTN. And I'm like, first of all, I just thought it was a badass look anyway on the eyebrow. But I didn't know the story behind it. Um, last thing I want to ask you, my friend, and we ask everyone this, the name of the podcast is wrestling changed my life. Uh, You've talked a little bit at the beginning, some of the things it's given you, but what I love about your story is that you're so well-rounded and that you've done things outside of wrestling. Um, you didn't go to college right away. You had, you were involved in, I got, I'm going to call it thespians of some sort, but acting of some sort in high school. So you have this, this diverse background in terms of the things you've done. With that being said, what are some of the, uh, the core lessons or core values you stepped away with, even though you're still now wrestling yourself? Yeah. So I I continue to learn um, about the things that wrestling is teaching me, but the number one thing 
um, is, you know, what you, you know, you only get what you work for. You know, you only get um, how much you're willing to, to really hurt, how much you're willing to sacrifice. Um, and some people that I can be off-putting to, but that's life, man. Wrestling is life. And wrestling is growing up, you know, and wrestling is, is tough. So I know now, like, because of wrestling, wrestling given, given, has given me so much and they give me this, this platform, um, I really have a lot to give the world. Um, you know, I think about some of the things that I want to do. But, you know, maybe wrestling is, is limiting now. Maybe I'm just limiting myself by just being a wrestler. Um, so re- wrestling gives you tools to really, you know, we're the most powerful people in the world because we, we, we care about ourselves, you know, and we, we, we push ourselves first so we can hold other people accountable, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that this sport does that more so than any other sport um, or activity, you know. So it's, it's pretty rewarding. And, and I, again, I'm, I'm sure it's been said a million times before. Um, but, but you yeah, said man. you said something too that sticks out. Like even the process of learning is taught to you by wrestling. Like you learn how to learn by getting your lumps, you know, yeah. by taking setbacks. I mean, what better way to learn about yourself than to have a sport that forces you to self-reflect every single day, let alone every single weekend? Every day, you get humble, man. You get humble um, from the things you don't learn. And and like I said, like it's like life. Like life. Life, you, you, you can't hide behind whoever. You can't hide behind your parents. You can't hide behind all these things. If you want to be, um, you know, if you want to grow up, you know, then you have to deal with the things that you need to get better at or do something else in life. <laughs> you don't really have that, that luxury. But with wrestling, like, you know, you have, if you want to be good at wrestling, you have to take your looks and then you have to stick with it. You have like, man, I didn't, I didn't win a match. I, I think I might have won a match. My, my first year of wrestling and I hated it. My dad wanted me to quit. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to quit. My dad didn't let me quit. Um, mm. He didn't let me quit. And I was the best decision that was made for me. I think. Why well, I, I could say it is because you wouldn't be where you're at now, probably without that. And you're impacting a lot of kids lives just through your actions, through coaching and, you know, just, uh, just from people being a fan, like I am watching you wrestle, man. It's, it's exciting. Can't wait to see you get back out there. And if you're ever back in Chicago, please let me know. I would love to meet in person. Sure. I will, man. I will. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out, too. Thank you for having me on. Nate Jackson, you're a bad man. Have a great day. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.